Hello and welcome to Frank Skinner's Poetry Podcast. Today I would like to talk to you essentially about one poem. It's one poem, one book. Um, In a way, it's also 72 short poems, but we won't go into that. I'm I'm speaking of uh, Model City by Donna Stonecipher, which was written in uh, in 2015, um, certainly published then. Now, this is like no poetry book I've read before, I, as ever with these poems. I have to be careful of becoming too effusive, but, um, oh, this is, it's so special. A friend of mine who is a, a published poet just got in touch with me and said, um, I've had to do a review for Donna Stonecipher's Model City, I think you should definitely read it. So I did. And let me tell you about it. It's a square book with a picture of a sort of uh, modernist city, one of those sort of artist impressions that architects do of a, of, of a, a very modernist, very ordered block of apartments. And um, when you open this book... One page just says Q and then a, a colon, as in question. And when you turn over that page, the next page says, what was it like? Well, now, as the, the book is called Model City, then you assume it's a question about the model city. Someone, Donna Stone Cipher or whoever she represents in this book, let's, let's just say the, the, the woman at the centre of the book, what was it like when she went to this model city? Tell us about it. And then um, she spends the, the next 72 pages. It's one poem to each page, by the way, uh, telling us what it was like, answering that particular question. Every page looks exactly the same in its layout. You get Model City and then the number of that particular uh, poem. So, for example, Model City 8. And then four blocks of essentially prose. It's not broken into poetic lines. Each block has three lines. So it's very, very um, uniform as you read through the book. And it actually looks, those four blocks of prose look a bit like an apartment. That It looks like a, a modernist architectural uh, city, and there's something about that that sense of order which is absolutely crucial to this whole book. Um, what I what I want to do is um, I should say by the way that each of these four blocks forms one particular short poem that's part of the big poem that is a uh, model city, but it's not like there's a completely independent chunk of new meaning in each of the new blocks. They slightly overlap and repeat each other a little bit. So it's a bit like a Venetian blind. Each block of prose is then followed by a block of prose, which says something of the one before it, but then adds something and then so on through the four blocks of prose. I know I'm giving you a lot of preamble. I just want you to picture this thing. Okay, so I'm, I think what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read, I'm going to read um, number eight from Donna Stone Cipher's model, City, and I'm, I, it's, they're short, so don't panic. I'm going to do the whole thing, which um, I don't often do the whole thing in a lump, but you'll see why I've done that. Here goes, uh, 
can I tell you, if you don't know this book at all, I really, I really think it's special. Here goes. Remember, the question was, what was it like? It was like coming out of an unfamiliar subway station, headed for a destination and noticing a sign that says Sugar Museum, 500 metres, and suddenly changing your plans for the day, your destination. It was like walking along the 500 metres announced by the sign for the Sugar Museum and thinking only 500 metres to the unending sweetness I deserve, your original destination forgotten under a cascade of sugar crystals. It was like riding dutifully on the subway to a destination and knowing nothing of the sugar museum, knowing only destination, knowing nothing of the sugar museum and how it can alter plans. It was like walking 200 metres and then suddenly understanding the nature of the sugar museum and turning around to set out again for your original destination, for its nature is seduction and yours renunciation. Come on, I mean, have you ever, this person on their way to, I'm guessing, some sort of fairly serious uh, work-based thing, and and then um, being misled by the sign for the Sugar Museum and tempted. And what I love about it, it's not a sign for a cake shop or... um, Thornton's Chocolate Cabin. I doubt that they're called that anymore, but um, it's it's still a museum. So this person, uh, the 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 voice in this book, um, is 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 still won't be tempted much further than a museum uh, to go somewhere. She's not going to go somewhere completely trivial and uh, lowbrow. But uh, this turns her intellect though now towards sugar, towards sweet. An easy reward, and that is not what the voice of these poems is about. I think the temptation of the Sugar Museum is a bit like um, I once read a, a, a review of uh, George Orwell in the Roman Catholic periodical, The Tablet, and it said, If the media were the thought police, they were not enforcing ideology, but a kind of non thought. And I think that is what the, is the is the lure here. Uh, um, there is a that, that that easy answer, that the sweetness of the sugar museum. As I say, still a museum, so she's not going to go too far. It's not, you know, it's not the only way. Is Essex? I once watched an episode of that where there was a pub quiz in which they got every question wrong, and as the answers were read out, with every example of their wrongness, they all celebrated and patted each other on the back thus trumpeting joyously their own ignorance. It's certainly not that. It's about purpose and it's about the structure, in this case, of someone's day being impaired by, by temptations of a seductive nature. As it says, its nature is seduction and yours renunciation. I think the whole concept of deferred gratification is here, a thing which seems to be dying out now. You keep focused, you work hard, and pleasure you can have later, further down the line, but but not today. Also, I think that the nature of the model city, this modernist 
place, which seems to be the environment of this of this incredible book. Its architecture is all about restraint, order, strong purpose, um, versus the sort of ornate and impractical architecture of the past, sort of um, like the cold industrial rhythms of Kraftwerk, the German band, versus um, Mariah Carey and her uh, intricate multi-note warbling. So it's it's partly about order versus disorder. It's it's partly about reason versus passion. And the model city is all about reason and function and order. You know, when you you see modernist architecture, it's all about clean, straight lines. It's not like a, a Gothic cathedral. It's it all the ornateness is swept away. And I think she talks about buildings like that in this book, but also she talks about sort of thinking like that. And it, and and certainly for a lot of the book, the speaker. So, is in the model city, but also of the model city. So that is why she ultimately renounces, I think, the Sugar Museum, because she is about strength of purpose and she's about discipline. Now, so th- that's what I think is the sort of meaning of Poem 8 in this book. But meaning is only, as in most poetry, but certainly in this book, meaning is only a part of the deal. Just the feel of the poem, the feel of all the poems in this book is is equally important. And it really is, I think, and I have um, read it many times, it's like being in a model city. You feel that you are wandering through the orderly streets and across the geometrically structured play areas of a very carefully designed model city. So in this first poem, I think that it's about the, the battle between order and, and sensual pleasure. And in poem number 47, you get, um, you get that, uh, that looked at again. Um, this time, I think very interestingly, I mean, this is, as well as being a beautiful book, this is an interesting book with lots of interesting ideas. This time, the idea of order versus sensual pleasure is expressed as the tension of a building. It's sort of uprightness um, compared to the sort of orgasmic release of its collapsed, uh, its collapsed state, its sort of unbuiltness, if you like. I'm making this sound um, more tedious than it is. I'm going to read uh, some of 47 not the whole thing and you'll you'll get a sense of 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 what i mean um i never thought before i read this poem of of the sort of the tension of a building just having to stand of those floors having to hold on um but but, but after i'd read this uh, this is me again going through pages this is one of my things flicking through pages i'm hoping to make this um Uh, a sound that you all look forward to. Okay. It was like watching the implosion of a damaged church captured on film, watching the brown facade implode, slide down, the steeple tip to the side and sink down into the unbuilt in a film. It was like watching the built slide ecstatically into the unbuilt in a film 
and feeling it as you watch as voluptuous but violent, a violent voluptuousness sliding past the tension of the built. It was like watching the tension of maintaining walls and floors, of keeping the steeple erect, give in to the ecstasy of implosion, of letting the steeple slide weightlessly down into the brown, billowing dust clouds of the unbuilt. Some of you might feel you perceive sexual imagery, and that's your business. But um, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. No, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and also... Th- Though even this, as she enjoys this, the the on-built nature of um, of the collapsing building, the voluptuous, it's still it's still very much as she keeps pointing out in her film. It's still sort of contained. There is still some distance, some control in all this. I just really, I, I mean, I, I want to talk to you about this, but I really, I just, I just want to read it to you. Uh, but I can't just do that. I mean, I have to justify why I'm here. Um, I'm not an audio book, for goodness sake. I'm some sort of a... Um, I'm on missionary work, is what is what I'm on. Um, poem number uh, 19. It, this, I, I want to read you, just, just not all of it again, but um, it's, it refers to a book called Towards a New Architecture, which was written by Le Cabousier, and it's become a sort of uh, a modernist architecture classic. So that's what that is at the beginning. But um, oh, it's fab. It's just fab. I'm going in again. Bear in mind, every, every one of these blocks, these four blocks of prose, you may have noticed, begins with it was like. So the whole book is answering that very first question, what was it like? It was like reading in Towards a New Architecture of Le Cabousier's veneration of the white paint, rows of windows and spiral staircases of transatlantic ships, a pure, clean, bright, correct and healthy architecture. It was like venerating Le Cabousier's veneration of the austere architecture of transatlantic ships, while your mind drifts off to more of a Victorian interior, niches and secret stairways, eaves, chinoiserie screens, ormolu. It was like wanting to divide your two-room apartment into the Le Cabousian and the Victorian, one room correct and healthy, one room diseased and false, sailing to nowhere but its own green velvet on reason. <laughs> oh, come on. Come with me on this. It's it's really amazing. And, 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 and there, obviously, she is examining these two sides of her nature, that one which wants the clinical white straight lines of modernist architecture like uh, Le Corbusier and that part of her which wants those weird gothy key Victorian strange ornate over elaborate um, interiors so there's there's um, I don't want this to get repetitive but um, if you don't like this you 
you you probably don't like me, so I'm up. You know, thank God for that off switch. I know what you're thinking. Listen, I want to do um, I want to do number. <laughs> I want to do poem fourteen. Poem fourteen uh, concerns a Bauhaus building. Bauhaus, many of you will know, was a uh, a school of of um, of design. Uh, more than anything else, but uh, notably um, architecture, but but lots of other things like furniture and and the like, and it, it has a very distinct look. Again, uh, straight lines and um, f- function, functional um, cleanness rather than elaborateness. And um, this is um, the, the the speaker now. Well, here goes. This is poem fourteen. I've got to say, having read this book a few times, I I really suddenly got into architecture. I've bought several books on architecture since, and I've become not obsessed with it, but um, semi semi obsessed is what I'm going to say. Okay, Model City fourteen. It was like walking past a person taking photographs of a white Bauhaus building and suddenly deciding to enter the building to insist on an interior in the face of the photographer's insistence on facade. It was like entering the Bauhaus building, which was like breaking into the facade, which was like leaping into a dark pond in which a white Bauhaus building is reflected with photographic precision, shattering the reflection. It was like feeling contempt for the photographer, reducing the white Bauhaus building via his camera to form without content, line without space, privileging facade. So this is another aspect, I think, of her thoughts and her views on architecture that um, she doesn't want to see as an art form. She wants to see as, as a practical thing so it's it's not just about um technical drawings and concepts and superstar architects it's about being lived in it's about habitation it's about the people who dwell within the structures and that's why she insists on interior while the the photographer privileges facade he just wants those that that overall beautiful picture of the building and she wants to point out by insisting on going inside that that, that that a building is about the people who live in it to some extent. It's, um, what, I'm going to chuck another one in. I'm, I'm reading too much poetry, um, probably, but what well, it's called a poetry podcast, so you knew what you were going to get, didn't you? Crying to me with you. Well, I'd rather you were talking a bit more. Um, no one thinks that, do they? This is just, this is about um, this is about a uh, urge um, for interior. And if there's any Londoners listening to this, have ever been on the, the the tube, they'll they'll know this phenomenon. But I, I'm sure these these things are, are everywhere. Okay, Model City sixty nine. It was like feeling very uncertain one afternoon outside a non-model city. Like that feeling of uncertainty one gets while riding in an elevator that opens on both sides. It was like riding in an elevator, feeling very uncertain, wanting the elevator to open on one side only, 
and to know what side before the door opens, to know that one side of the elevator is pure interior. <laughs> um, I look. I should be. I should be offering more analysis here, but I'm uh, really. This is like a hot shower for me. I just wanna. I just wanna um, get in and um, feel it against my skin. It's um, look. I think it's 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 an incredible book. And I tell you what, a thing about it, and I think this is true of 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 um of lots of things that I love. There's a thing that the art of of certain of all kinds can have, and it's um I I can give you some exam- examples. The music of the fall, um, uh, the the uh, Salford band uh, group, the fall. If you've ever read Ridley Walker by uh, Russell Hoban a novel, or if you've ever seen Patrick Keeler's film, London. But whatever it is for you, those are ones for me. There is some art that gives you the feeling that you and the creator are the only people in the whole world who really get it, that everyone else who reads it or listens to it or watches it, they'll like it, but they won't, they won't really get it the way you get it. And I think if an artist of any kind can get that feeling in their in their audience, then they have got something really special going on. Who knows? There may even be someone out there who um, thinks that about this. I'm not holding my uh, my breath on that one. Um, I'd like to um, read. I want to read another of these. I'm reading it for a a, a purpose which is personal. Obviously, the whole thing is very personal to me. But I want want to uh, take you somewhere else with it. So, honestly, honestly, it's just going to be one more. Just so, okay. I mean, I can't believe you're not loving it. Stop giving me that look of... uh, um, This is the great thing. I don't need to really, I don't feel I need to tell you what these are about or whatever, because it's all, it's all there. So we, you know, we're wandering through this incredible model city, you and I, and now we get to the next apartment block, which is model city 51. There's our four blocks of prose all beginning with, um, it was like each one has three lines Enjoy the order, enjoy the beauty of, of that um, construct and listen to uh, Model City 51. It was like moving into an... Oh, you see, I've got overexcited. It was like moving into an apartment for the summer, furnished only with a bed, a desk, a chair and an old world radio in a brown case its luminous dial turning to Moscow, Berlin, Paris, Skopje, Budapest, London and Tangier. It was like lying in bed at night next to the world radio, etched with distant cities, which now only gets local stations, and imagining lying in bed in Skopje in the last century, listening to music from Paris. It was like lying under the open window, thinking the apartment is not big enough, the summer is not big enough, the world is not big enough for the world radio, 
with its etched cities and its luminous ideals. It was like leaving the apartment at summer's end and sneaking the world radio out in your suitcase, for you know that only you understand the radio's faith in a grander, more worldly world and its inability to transmit it. So this poem is partly about that thing that you you discover something beautiful that you think no one else appreciates. And it's, um, as ever with Donna Stone Cipher, fabulously, hauntingly, unnervingly expressed. Um, but it did remind me of an actual incident. I was staying at, at a, a posh hotel and posh hotels have a habit of buying books by by the meter or the yard in, in order to um, put books around and make the place look a bit booky, not caring for a second what the books actually are, as long as they're the right sort of shape and colour. And so you, you go into the, 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 the cafe there, the restaurant, and um, there would be a pile of six or seven books maybe uh, separating um, desserts from main courses. Uh, And it was books misused and abused, in my opinion. And I saw a book there, which was called The Poet's Tongue by W.H. Auden and and, uh, J. Garrett. And I started reading through it. And every day when I went uh, back to the restaurant for breakfast or whatever, I would pick up this same book. And um, and read it's it's a it's an anthology of poetry, and a lot of the poetry is quite. It's it's not deep poetry. It's light light verse, and um, I, I love light verse. You're not supposed to, and I you know don't quote me on that. But I do. I love verse that just feels great on your lips without any tremendous meaning or any... Um, it isn't asking you to be analysed. It's asking you to be enjoyed. And I thought to myself, as just as the speaker in, in that last poem thought about the world radio, one that I would appreciate it more than anyone else, and I didn't want to leave it behind, as she didn't want to leave that radio behind in the in the apartment leave it behind to be um, taken for granted and not loved. And also the particular nature of the poetry. I thought even the people who like poetry will not read this book, um, even though there is some serious poetry in there, but the, the, the light verse will probably cause them to turn, even poetry fans might turn their nose up at this amazing book. And so I stole it. I, I I took it away with me just as um, as the person in the poem took that world radio because I felt no one else would care for it and appreciate it as I did. And I'm going to read you a little bit of a poem uh, called The Lay of St. Cuthbert, which is in this book. And it is just an example. It's it's nothing to do with Donna Stone Cipher's Model City other than her World Radio poem, number uh, 51 in Model City, reminded me of this theft. This What I thought of as a moral theft. 
Was it a theft? Was it? Um, it was. It was like springing someone from prison, in uh, in lots of ways. Um, so, okay, um, you'll see what I mean by poetry that just um, it just feels good on 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 your lips. You can just enjoy the sounds and rhythms of it. It's it's a it's a narrative poem. It tells a story. I'm just going to read the first stanza, but the idea of this poem in this book being left in a posh hotel which had got you know media types and stuff like that who I just felt couldn't love it as I did um I I, I, that hurt me so here goes I own the book now own if you can own anything that you've stolen but here goes I'm just going to read you the first bit of the lay of St Cuthbert and um, I'm looking forward just to just to saying the words It's in Bolton Hall and the clock strikes one and the roast meat's brown and the boiled meat's done and the barbecued sucking pigs crisp to a turn and the pancakes are fried and beginning to burn. The fat stubble goose swims in gravy and juice with the mustard and apple sauce ready for use. Fish, flesh and fowl and all of the best want nothing but eating. They're already dressed but where is the host and where is the guest? And it goes on like that and becomes quite uh, supernatural. Um, But you must see, I'm trying to justify myself now, you must see, I couldn't have just left that, left that in a pile of books. I couldn't just let it be decoration. It needed to be um, brought home and regularly embraced. If you get a chance to read the whole of Model City by Donna Stone Seifert, please do. For me... It is a book that takes me into a completely different world. A world maybe I wouldn't want to live in, but a world that I love to visit often. So, thank you so much for listening to this episode of My Poetry Podcast. Don't forget to press subscribe on your favourite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Imagine it. And if you enjoyed it, never know, please do rate, review and subscribe. See you next week. Oh, and uh, P.S. There aren't enough P.S.'s in podcasts. If you like this, you can listen to The Frank Skinner Show every Saturday morning at 8am on Absolute Radio. That is also available, of course, as a podcast. It's, uh, it's got less poetry in it than this, but uh, more laughs.